0: Away we go. You need to go get Brock Osweiler. That's right. We don't normally talk about quarterbacks on this show, but I am more and more impressed every day with Brock Osweiler as I peel the onion and I see what this guy is. Last week, 270 yards and one touchdown against the Patriots, who feature two good cover corners in Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. He beat the Patriots. Brock Osweiler beat the Patriots. Is that sunk in for anyone yet? The Patriots were thought to be unbeatable. So many conversations I heard about the potential the Patriots could go undefeated again. They looked unstoppable, a juggernaut. Until they ran into the TV vampire that is Brock Osweiler. He has that slick back hair, that pale skin. He looks like a TV vampire. That's what he looks like. He looks like a brooding TV vampire. Doesn't say a lot, right? If you have a scheme to bring a bunch of non-vampire humans into the fold, you have to go to Brock Osweiler to get his permission. You have to. You have to go talk to Brock Osweiler because if he doesn't sign off on it as the head vampire, your scheme is never going to get off the ground. You are going to be banished from the vampire clan. Brock Osweiler is the alpha dog vampire in this TV show (laughs) that we've created. But it was a great TV show watching Brock Osweiler beat the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan. I grew up in Maine. I am from New England. I am a Patriots fan. But it was compelling television watching a young quarterback with very little experience go out in a high leverage situation where you needed to win the game against the best team in the league, the Super Bowl champions. If there was going to be a moment in which you were going to get nervous, that lemon booty... Your lemon booty, your bum puckers up. If there was an instance where that would have happened to Brock Osweiler, it would have been last weekend. And it didn't happen, and that was impressive. Even a Patriots fan has to step back and look at it objectively and say, that was impressive. He posted over 250 yards against the Patriots, despite Demarius Thomas catching one of 13 passes for 36 yards. Now, that one catch that Demarius Thomas did convert was his most impressive catch of the night, was the most difficult target of the night. Yeah, that's Demarius Thomas for you. He will catch the hard ones. That's right. If it's difficult, you can mark it down as a catch. If it's easy, eh, we don't know what's going to happen. Eh, flip a coin. He could drop it or he could reel it in. And if you go to playerprofiler.com and you look at Demarius Thomas's profile, it was there heading into the Patriots game. yards per target headed into the Patriots game was outside the top 40 in the league. His target premium outside the top 40, negative 7.0 production premium outside the top 60 for Demarius Thomas. That was before the Patriots game. So this wasn't a surprise to those of us that were familiar with Demarius Thomas's efficiency this year. It has collapsed and you can't blame it all on Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning didn't play last weekend. It was Brock Osweiler. And we saw more of the same from Demarius Thomas. He was even worse with Brock Osweiler than he was with Peyton Manning. So what's wrong with him? What is wrong with him? I don't know. I don't know. But efficiency matters. It's one of the reasons why Player Profiler exists. So you can look up Demarius Thomas and get scared. Get nervous. It'll help you make a start-sit decision. It'll help you to decide whether or not you want to trade for or get rid of Demarius Thomas. Player Profiler can help you do that. And if you traded Demarius Thomas after his one big, he's had one big week this year. One, eight catches, 168 yards against Green Bay. You could also say the week before that, he had 10 catches for 111 yards against Cleveland. So he's had some big games this year, but mostly it's been between five and eight catches for somewhere between 50 and 95 yards. No touchdowns. He only has one touchdown all year. Hasn't been a good year for Demarius Thomas, but again, we knew this coming in. He had one, two, three, four, five games with 90 or more yards. So those that are just looking at counting statistics would think of Demarius Thomas as a top receiver, a top flight receiver in the league. But those of us that are familiar with his efficiency metrics on playerprofiler.com knew better. And so that performance that we saw on Sunday wasn't a surprise to the playerprofiler.com enthusiasts. But Brock Osweiler winning that game was a surprise. Absolutely. I was shocked by the outcome of that game. You know who else was shocked by the outcome of the game? Not in a good way. Was shocked and disappointed at the outcome of that game? Peyton Manning. Because you know Peyton Manning did not want to see Brock Osweiler lead his team, not Brock Osweiler's team, Peyton Manning's team, on a game-winning drive. Because you you could hear Peyton Manning, you could hear the wheels turning in Peyton Manning's head the whole game. I'm thinking about what Peyton Manning is thinking that whole game. That's just how I operate. I sometimes, my mind wanders into other places. I try to empathize with players. I try to put myself in the shoes of other players. We've talked about my disposition on this show. My point of view on the show is not the same as the the casual generic sports fan. So while I was watching that game, I kept thinking, how is Peyton Manning consuming this? How is Peyton Manning experiencing this? And then when Brock Osweiler hit that long pass down the sideline to Emmanuel Sanders, I started thinking, oh no, oh no, Peyton Manning's not happy. Because before that, we knew what he was thinking. Glad I paid off Demarius Thomas. <laughs> right, that's in his brain, right? And then as the game wore on, he started feeling less confident, less happy. He was enjoying the game less as Brock Osweiler was playing better. Please, Emmanuel Sanders, stop making plays. <laughs> right? Running game looks so much better. <laughs> you knew that was, ha- you know it. I mean, that's the human condition. It would be very difficult for me to believe that he was genuinely enthusiastic about a Broncos quarterback not named Peyton Manning beating the Patriots (laughs) it'd be hard for me to get my head around that concept but the running game is so much better and that's the reason why Brock Osweiler won that job Brock Osweiler has been named the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos for the remainder of the season regardless of Peyton Manning's health. that's amazing no one thought that was possible before the Patriots game But I think it had less to do with the performance of Brock Osweiler than the performance of the running game. Because C.J. Anderson with Peyton Manning, 3.6 yards per carry. C.J. Anderson with Brock Osweiler, 6.37 yards per carry. Why is that? It's because the Denver Broncos running game is much more versatile with Brock Osweiler than with Peyton Manning because Brock Osweiler is under center for more than 75% of the snaps. Peyton Manning took almost every snap out of pistol formation or just a straight shotgun formation. And when you take snaps out of shotgun or pistol, that severely limits your flexibility with your running game. It limits the number of running plays you can run. There are only so many Statue of Liberty delayed draws That a team can run in a game and be effective. We've talked about it on this show. The most efficient running games utilize zone blocking schemes. And the outside zone, in particular, is run from the quarterback receiving the ball under center. When you take the ball out of shotgun or take the ball out of pistol formation, you have to utilize trap blocking as opposed to zone blocking. And those blocking schemes at the NFL level are simply less effective. But if you're under center... You can do inside zone, outside zone, power run game, gap blocking, zone blocking. It's all on the table. All those different play calls are on the table with Brock Osweiler as opposed to Peyton Manning. So not only are you running more effective plays, but because your options are so much more diverse, the defense is less prepared. There are so many more options that the defense has to prepare for. This becomes a virtuous cycle when you have Brock Osweiler under center. Multiple positive factors are reinforcing the running game. And that's how C.J. Anderson ends up racking up 6.37 yards per carry as opposed to 3.6. Almost doubling his efficiency with Brock Osweiler. That's the reason that Denver decided to anoint Brock Osweiler their quarterback for the remainder of the season. It wasn't necessarily... His throwing. It was his ability to take snaps under center. It was his legs. Because so much is made of Peyton Manning's fused neck. The fact that he can't feel his fingertips. His arm strength has been degraded. But it's actually Brock Osweiler's legs, his leg flexibility, and his quickness that has enabled him to capture that starting job. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. Where'd I put that Brock Voodoo doll? (laughs) Okay, okay, that's enough. I want to discuss today the playerprofiler.com player rankings and the lineup optimizer because we've been getting a lot of buzzard messages asking about the rankings. When are the rankings going to get posted? How do you calculate projected points? How do you create optimal lineups? And so I want to take you behind the curtain at playerprofiler.com and explain how it works explain what we're doing explain the value we're adding for you the users of playerprofiler.com and what we're going to be doing in the future so we rolled out a brand new rankings layout for this 2015 season and if you go to playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings you'll see we have weekly rankings full season rankings and dynasty rankings i believe we do the best job out there of providing easy-to-use access to a multitude of different types of player rankings. Some places, they focus on Dynasty rankings. Other places focus on full-season rankings. In fact, it's very difficult to find good full-season rankings. One thing I'm proud of is that we constantly maintain and keep up-to-date our full-season ranks at playerprofiler.com because most of the full-season ranks that I see online when I'm searching and browsing fantasy football websites, they're way out of date. They haven't been updated since August. Ours are updated every week. And so that's why you might go to our our full season player rankings and go to the running backs tab and say, Whoa, there's David Johnson at number three. Yeah, yeah, well, it's because we're updating it. And we're realists. That's right. And with the weekly rankings, we have a fairly sophisticated yet elegant method for calculating projected points. We have devised... What I believe is a super elegant baseline projection model. Just a starting point for what we believe player X is going to put out. I was trying to think of a different word than put out. (laughs) Right? Put out. (laughs) Oh, he puts out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, I know he puts out. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. He doesn't put out. Devonta Freeman used to put out, but he found religion. He found a concussion, really. So anyway, we have a super elegant baseline projection model that smooths out all the outlier point totals on a player's resume for 2015, and it puts a premium on the more recent performances. And that's without any schedule adjusting. Again, that's just our baseline projected output for the week for every player. And just that simple, easy baseline that we start with before we add any other ingredients. Just that alone beats fantasy pros. Now, it doesn't beat the best fantasy rankers like John Paulson and Mike Clay. No, of course not. The initial projection model doesn't beat those guys. But it is superior to the wisdom of the crowd, the average across fantasy pros, when you include all the rankers that contribute to that site. Wisdom of the crowd, by the way, one of the most overrated concepts in the history of academia. Why would I go with the wisdom of the crowd when I can go with the guy with the best rankings? Do you have an answer to that? Let me know. At Roto Underworld or rotounderworld at gmail.com. Would you rather have the best or the average? Let me know. And then, in addition to this baseline projection that we create, we then add some sugar and spice for the kids to make it pop. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because we mix in... The ingredients, I feel like I'm on a cooking show. We mix in a dash, well, more than a dash, a significant amount of every player's opponent's DVOA, defense-adjusted value, essentially, from football outsiders. We mix in the defense DVOA against quarterbacks, the defense DVOA against running backs, the defense DVOA against wide receivers, and the defense DVOA against tight ends. And again, you can go to footballoutsiders.com, you can click on statistics, and then click on team defense, and you can read about their defense efficiency rankings. And the nice thing about Football Outsiders is they don't just have overall team defense efficiency, they have the defense efficiency on a per position basis. So they have defensive efficiency against opposing quarterbacks against opposing running backs against opposing wide receivers and against opposing tight ends because that's what we need as fantasy gamers and they provide that they they do a great job and it's important that what that value is that ingredient that we're adding to our projections that it is a schedule adjusted fantasy points against value and why does it matter well it matters a lot because if you look at a team like Atlanta Atlanta doesn't look bad against quarterbacks, they've performed fairly well. But you look at Atlanta's defensive efficiency versus quarterbacks specifically, using the football outsiders model that schedule adjusts based on the strength of the opponents they've faced, then, well, it paints a different picture. Because Atlanta's pass defense has looked good against Sam Bradford, Eli Manning, Brandon Whedon, Ryan Mallett, who then became Brian Hoyer, that was the game that Ryan Mallett lost his job. They also faced Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, who is good but also a rookie, Drew Brees, who is good but also old, Zach Mettenberger. They even missed Marcus Mariota. <laughs> they got to face Zach Mettenberger. Blaine Gabbert. That's actually unlucky. They would have been better off facing Colin Kaepernick. Matt Hasselbeck, so they missed Andrew Luck, and Teddy Bridgewater. And the Vikings were a run-oriented team. So those are the quarterbacks that Atlanta's defense has faced. So if you were just looking at Atlanta's quarterback rating, it's pretty good. They don't allow a lot of fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. However, if you look at their schedule-adjusted defensive efficiency against quarterbacks, it's completely different. And so that's when you start adding sophistication to your model And that's how you improve accuracy. However, there is a fine line between being too sophisticated and being too rudimentary. We want to be right down the middle. I see a lot of ranking systems that are too rudimentary. I know they're too rudimentary. I know what they're doing. I see what they're doing. They're doing a lot of one-for-one calculations and they're too rudimentary. But then I also see ranking systems that are clearly overthinking it. They have become too sophisticated. They are incorporating noise into their model. You see that a lot. You see a lot of double counting out there now. Because of the growth of DFS, there's so much more intellectual firepower being devoted to weekly projection models. But you're also seeing a lot more bad modeling. And the, the, the one dead giveaway is the double counting. So, for example, here's an example of double counting. And we stay away from the double counting you see projection models incorporating both the opponent's defensive efficiency and information gleaned from Las Vegas over-unders. Here's the problem. The information gleaned from Las Vegas over-unders is the same information gleaned from looking at the opposing defense's efficiency against particular positions. Because when two teams with bad defenses face-off, their line in Vegas, the over-under, will be incredibly high. So if you're counting both the defensive efficiency and incorporating an additional premium because that game projects to be high-scoring, you're actually double-counting the same concept. Because the information gleaned from the over-under is the same information implied by the opposing defensive efficiency and fantasy points allowed to particular positions. So we don't do that. And those are just some of the reasons why our projections this year have been terrific. We have had a lot of buzzards right in. Again, at Roto Underworld on Twitter, Underworld at gmail.com, complimenting our rankings, thanking us for pointing them in the right direction. Thank goodness I started Spencer Ware last week. Thanks, player profiler! You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. We're here for you. And it's all free for now. It's not going to be free for much longer. So I'm here to tell you that. This year was a pilot period for our player rankings and our lineup optimizer tool. We had kinks to work out. We had learnings that needed to be gleaned. There were a number of lessons learned that we've incorporated already into our rankings. Our rankings are already much better on a week-to-week basis than they were earlier in the season. We have killed it since about week five or six. Killed it. Love it. It's very exciting. But I knew this would be a learning period for us. And therefore, for the consumers, for you all, the users of the site, it should be a pilot period. It should be a free period, a grace period, where you can get to know the site. You can start to consume the rankings and... Over time, build trust in the rankings, and so by the end of the season, we are going to close the rankings down, and it is going to become a premium service. You'll be able to sign up for a full year of our rankings and our lineup optimizer, and we'll talk more about it on this show as this month rolls on. How the pricing is going to work, how the subscriptions going to work, how the memberships are going to work, but you will be able to sign up for premium to get access to our rankings in 2016. And I hope you all do that because I think we're providing real value. One of the easy ways to see the value that we bring to the table is with the lineup optimizer. Now, let me just give you a couple DraftKings lineups that we had on the lineup optimizer just last week. So if you want to go and check it out this week, it's not up yet. We don't just throw it together and post it on Tuesday. Anything that's posted on Tuesday, be skeptical of. Because if you think it through, how can you possibly incorporate injury information and be thoughtful about every player and incorporate numerous factors that help to be predictive of future performances? How can you do that and jam it all together Monday night and publish it on Tuesday? It's not possible. And I think people trust our rankings and our lineup optimizer more because we wait to publish it until Thursday and Friday. Because it just makes sense. It's going to be better that way. So look out for that tomorrow. So if you go to playerprofiler.com, look at the top, look for a lineup optimizer, and check it out. Last week, our number one lineup on DraftKings was as follows. Brian Hoyer, Javorius Allen, Buck Allen, Spencer Ware, D'Angelo Williams, DeAndre Hopkins, urgh, Odell Beckham Jr., Sammy Watkins, Tyler Eifert, Browns defense. Browns defense. Whoops! That was a great lineup. Our number one tournament lineup was a money-making endeavor. Here's another lineup near the top. We have 10 lineups that we provide. Different combinations of the best possible optimized lineup on DraftKings. Another one of our top lineups was as follows. This is the one I use in a couple leagues that I'm in with friends, and I won. Brian Hoyer, Javorius Allen, Spencer Ware, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Benjamin, Deshaun Jackson, Delani Walker, Bengals defense. Ching 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 ching. Submitting that, <coughs> that lineup alone, just that one lineup, just that one little lineup would have paid for the entire cost of a full year of playerprofiler.com premium rankings and lineup optimization. Just that one lineup. That's why I'm very comfortable charging for this service because This is information you can immediately turn around and go make money with. So it makes sense that we would charge for it because you're using it to go out and make lots of money. Now, how do we optimize the lineup? Well, we have an algorithm that pulls in all of the salaries from DraftKings and FanDuel, and we look at our player projections, and our player projection model, as I mentioned, is sophisticated, but not too sophisticated, and we optimize the number of projected points. But that's essentially the baseline concept of the algorithm however it's a bit more sophisticated than simply slotting in players based on their projected points and here's why here's a tweet from chris raybon he works for four for four he's a writer for four for four he works with john paulson And he wrote the following on Twitter: the average cost for wide receivers in 2015 winning millionaire maker lineups was as follows That's the average salary for the wide receivers in millionaire maker winning lineups. Do you know what the cost for the average running back was in those lineups? $5,183. Almost a $1,500 difference between what the millionaire maker winners are paying for wide receivers versus what they're paying for running backs. And the lesson is you want to pay a premium for the top tier wide receivers. Now, the question is that you're probably wondering, well, why is this? What are the mechanics behind this? Why does that the right approach? And it comes down to something called unexpected volatility because wide receivers offer more unexpected volatility. And why do I use the word offer? Why is that a good thing? Why do you? You offering me unexpected volatility? Why, yes, I would love some unexpected volatility. Tell me more. You have unexpected volatility? Yes. Where do I sign up for that? Uh, My tray is empty. Fill me up with unexpected volatility. Yes, you want unexpected volatility in tournament lineups, and you want stability in your cash game lineups. And in tournament lineups specifically, the wide receivers offer the most upside particularly in a PPR format like DraftKings. So that's why what Chris Raybon found was that the tournament winners are paying a premium for those wide receivers because it allows you to maximize upside. And the receivers that will help you to lock in the upside are Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown. They're expensive, but they're worth it. And what is unexpected volatility? Unexpected volatility is volatility that's not implied. Volatility that's not expected. that Hence, unexpected. So what you want to do is look at the implied volatility of a player at his position. Based on his position that he plays and the role in the offense, you can then calculate the unexpected volatility. And the difference between those will give you a different volatility quotient. And that difference between implied volatility and unexpected volatility, that quotient is something that we use in our lineup optimizer. So it's important also you can look at the running back position first to explain why do running backs, generally speaking, have a lower expected volatility. Because look at Spencer Ware recently. Just look at those lineups that we did, those lineups that we offered last week. Look at Spencer Ware. Look at Buck Allen. Those running backs we all knew would be getting the vast majority of the running back touches. And if you know a player, a running back specifically, is going to be playing a bell cow role, is going to be the workhorse, then you know that player is going to score 10 fantasy points in PPR leagues. You just know this. We know this. We know this. Right? So running backs in that workhorse role have a very low implied volatility. Those are stable fantasy assets. We can zero in pretty well on what we believe they're going to do. There's less uncertainty built into that projection. When I do a projection for a Spencer Ware or a Buck Allen or an Adrian Peterson, I have a lot more certainty about that projection than I do any wide receiver projection. The wide receiver projections have a lot more uncertainty because the wide receiver position in and of itself intrinsically has a lot more unexpected volatility. You just don't know what you're going to get out of the wide receiver like you do the running back. That's why you pay for those premium wide receivers. Now there are running backs that have higher than average unexpected volatility. Look at PPR backs like Danny Woodhead. Their volatility quotient is higher than a Spencer Ware or a Javorius Allen was last week. Because the raw volatility of a Danny Woodhead or a Theo Riddick Is higher their production is game flow driven and we're just not sure how the games are going to flow there's a lot more uncertainty with the Danny Woodhead projection and the Theo Riddick projection than there is the Spencer Ware projection and the Buck Allen projection because Danny Woodhead and Theo Riddick don't play a bell cow role they are passing down specialists and their production varies wildly week to week when I say volatility what I mean is does their production go up and down A volatile player is going to be all over the place. When you look at a volatile player's game log, it's 20 points, 5 points, 20 points, 5 points. Like a heart EKG. But when you look at a low volatility player, like a running back who's in a bell cow role, it's going to be smooth. So there is just more uncertainty surrounding wide receiver projections in any given week than there is quarterbacks or running backs. And the reason why wide receiver projections are generally more uncertain, have more volatility built into them, is for two specific reasons. Number one, wide receivers rely on quarterback execution. If a quarterback airmails every throw to a wide receiver, that wide receiver will always score zero points every week. Game flow. If a team is up big in the second half, they're going to pass significantly less. But we don't know. If it's going to be a blowout or not. If we did, we wouldn't be doing fantasy football. We would all be sports betters. The third thing is game plan. And you see this with a player like Julio Jones. We don't know when defenses are going to decide to shadow Julio Jones. A defensive coordinator can either decide to bracket Julio Jones or can approach him with a more of a commando style. No underwear when we face Julio Jones. Single coverage. Shadow Julio Jones. (laughs) Fingers crossed! So when you look at the volatility, the raw volatility of a running back, you need to realize what role he's playing first and factor that in. So when I look at the volatility of an Eric Decker and I see how smooth it is, Eric Decker has the lowest volatility of any wide receiver in the NFL. It's amazing. Go to the Eric Decker game log and you will see the most consistent fantasy output I have ever witnessed in my career in fantasy football and that is incredibly significant because he is demonstrating hyper low volatility at an otherwise high volatility position but does that mean that you want to play eric decker in tournaments no not necessarily because we know what he's going to give you his upside is capped but so is his floor There's value there in Eric Decker, but his value isn't in tournaments. His value isn't in the Millionaire Maker tournaments. His value is in cash games. And so when you go to our lineup optimizer, you're going to see two choices. You click DraftKings, and then you can either click Cash or click Tournament. And when you go to Cash Games, we feature the wide receivers with the low volatility. Those wide receivers are a big deal. They are hugely valuable in cash games because there aren't a lot of them out there. Most of the wide receivers in the NFL are hugely volatile for the reasons I just outlined. With the exception of a few, like Eric Decker. So that's why every week you go to our DraftKings optimal lineup for cash games. You go to our FanDuel optimal lineup for cash games. And always, almost always, there's Eric Decker! Because in cash games, the reason why we delineate cash versus tournament is because we weight volatility very differently when we calculate our optimal cash game lineups versus our optimal tournament lineups. The cash games put a premium on low volatility. That volatility quotient that we talked about where we take the unexpected volatility and subtract it from the implied volatility. We are looking for the few wide receivers in the league that have The super low volatility quotient after we run that calculation. And that's why Eric Decker continues to show up in these cash game lineups over and over and over again. But you just don't see him in the GPP lineups. In the GPP lineups, you see Deshaun Jackson. You see Travis Benjamin. You see Sammy Watkins. Those are the players you want to flex in tournaments because they have a very high volatility quotient. And the same is true for running backs. For running backs, you don't necessarily want to maximize volatility. We handle the positions differently because a volatile running back, you need to decide why is he being volatile? Is he is he volatile because his role keeps changing because he's the starter and he's not the starter? Or is he volatile because he's just inconsistent? So what we do there is we Hone in on the running backs that have consistent roles and high volatility. That's why you keep seeing Theo Riddick and Danny Woodhead in our tournament lineups. And that's why we put a premium on the bell cow running backs in our cash game lineups. So it's not simply that we just add volatility to the equation, dust off our hands, and publish the optimal lineups. No, we don't. The way we treat volatility is sophisticated. And then we run it through this optimization algorithm, and that's why the lineup optimizer is so good, and it's something that, starting in 2016, I would like you to start paying for.